the Punisher punished the baseball. Mike Miner is still a major problem, and he still has a major problem keeping the baseball out of the stands. And we discuss who will be the next member of the Reds Hall of Fame. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host Stephen Offenbaker is back, and we've got a lot to get to. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans who have turned an addiction into information for you. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms on today's podcast. I get Steve's take on who should be in the Reds hall of fame this season. We look at another start for Mike minor and it was not a good one, but we've got to start off first with Aristides Aquino because Steve like it or not. He's been playing really well here recently, and I know that we have mentioned it's time to move on. It's time to stop giving him as much playing time as the Reds have given him. But it seems to have paid off. Is Aristides Aquino back? Well, clearly he was listening because you and I both (laughs) took some hot takes on what should happen with Aristides Aquino and his baseball career. And since then, he has become a different hitter. And we're going to get into to why that is, Jeff. But let me throw some numbers at you. Um, because he's sneakily, surprisingly, uh, been very good over the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about his last 15 games. Uh, slash line alone. Last 15 games, Jeff, he's hitting 288, 339, 596. That's with four home runs, 12 RBIs, and for good measure, four walks during that time period. It's nice to see the four walks. At least he's got as many walks. Hey, I, as I had to include runs. them because they don't happen very often. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt like I should make mention of it. Well, and man, as a as a former Aquino Stan, Homer, whatever you want to say, I, I, I've seen the light. I've seen, you know, the objectivity of the matter and, and, and where he fell over the last couple of years. And it just kind of seemed like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden here recently, he's been on a resurgence and kind of, as we have, we've kind of been looking at this, his wins above replacement, according to fan graphs in 2019, the year that we all remember being good Aquino. It was 1.2 this year, 1.3. Now he does have more games played, but still, I mean, that defense, like we, we've been saying, if you can find some sort of value at the plate, you get this guy in the outfield for the defensive value that he brings to this team. His defensive run saves. I, I was looking at this the other day. I think it's a 20. He is insane defensively. And he's having his best offensive season of his career. I mean, take that for whatever you want to take that for. But listen, here's here's what I think the real answer is, Jeff. And I don't think it has anything to do with me and you, although we would both like to think that it actually does. I'm, I wonder if 
Eric Davis and Barry Larkin both calling him out publicly on the broadcast had an impact because since that time, he has been working with Alan Zinter. He has been changing his approach. He's been listening to what it is that the successful hitters and the coaches paid to teach hitting have been telling him. And suddenly, miraculously, oh my gosh, he's hitting the baseball. <laughs> And it, it makes me wonder if really he was a little bit embarrassed by what was said about him on the Reds television broadcast by uh, two Reds legends. Well, I think that's where you and I jumped in on the, on the take that, yes, it's time to move on. Because if these guys are in his ear and he's still shaking his head like he knows what he's talking about and he's still hitting a buck 50, then it's time to move on. But he has made changes. We've seen the numbers come up. Like you said, the last 15 games, absolutely phenomenal. He's had a bunch of multi-hit games in the last week, really. And a lot of it, I mean, you can kind of see if you look through different highlights from when he was first called up. Do you remember that batting stance whenever he first call, was called up? It was like just absolutely ridiculous, completely wide open in the right-handed box. It's completely different from where it is now. It's gone through a renaissance, and supposedly so has he. Because as David Bell said last night after the game, there's been lots of changes for Aristides Aquino. Open. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, – I even – look back at all the different kind of steps along the way and that's just the, the parts that that I know I mean it, within his own approach and his head there's there's so many things that go into it and um, uh, there's been some real keys along the way but mainly he's just really in a good position to hit his timing is caught up to the adjustments he's made and you know, he's, he's very uh, he's just He's given himself a chance every single pitch, and when he does that with his ability, uh, good things are going to happen. I, 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 I'm struggling to be like you know, super objective and say, you know, maybe we should wait. And obviously there's still many more uh, hurdles he's got to jump through before we can confidently say, yes, he's back. Because you're talking about a dude that fell so far down the list of guys that he was off the list. There was no list anymore that he was on. And the fact that they kept giving him playing time is what was so confusing to us because we knew he wasn't part of the future of this team. But Steve... Is he a part of the future of this team? He, he might be. Uh, listen, you know, you heard David Bell there talk about uh, some of the things that uh, Aquino was doing to modify his timing. And Barry Larkin actually made mention of that on last night's broadcast, uh, talking about how Aquino has added a toe tap to really slow down the start of his swing and keep himself back a little bit on the ball. And I think it's making a difference. You know, the biggest problem that we've identified that everybody has identified, including every opposing pitcher uh, <laughs> that Aristides Aquino has is his inability to go get that breaking pitch low and away. And if he has finally figured out how to stay back and see that pitch and not hack at it, he could be a whole different guy. So this is where it leads us, Jeff. Uh, this is the big takeaway for Aristides Aquino now and how it pertains to his future. If Aristides Aquino finishes this season continuing to hit the way that he is right now, it will be worth giving him a chance next spring to show that he still, still belongs. Nothing he does right now should earn him anything other than an opportunity 
to show that he belongs moving forward. Uh, this is a lost season and a wonky time. I'm not really right. putting a lot of stock in anything that happens for the rest of September. But he has a chance here, Jeff. And I hope, because he's a great guy, I hope that he takes advantage of it. And that's a good point. And that's a great point. I, 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 I agree with you. I agree. So, you know, as much fun as it is to talk about a hitter actually hitting, we do have to, to delve into the realm of this rotation that was supposed <sighs> to be the end all of good things to talk about this year. And now it's terrible, but listen, Mike minor has only made minor progress since he was added to this rotation, Jeff, and it's really led to major problems. You see what I did there? Minor major. We'll explain why you can bet that Mike Miner's days as a member of the Cincinnati Reds are numbered. And if you want to learn more about some safe bets, you can head over to betonline.net right now betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs you can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for the odds lines and games you can find reviews and news from every major league that includes major league baseball the nfl which is now in full swing Sorry about the Bengals this week. Oh, uh, they've got the NBA. They've got the NHL. They've got combat sports. They've got esports. They have even got golf. There is something for everyone at betonline.net. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have definitely got you covered. Head to betonline.net today. Or you can, you can use your mobile device or your computer at home to find out the action as it is happening. BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, coming up tomorrow, Jeff and I will break down the double header that is going to be occurring with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, it's going to definitely be a lot of action to talk about. At least 18 innings of baseball. I think, Jeff, you're going to be in the ballpark for at least a portion of the 18 innings of baseball tomorrow. So we'll get yeah, some I mean, firsthand perspective. I'll be there in the evening, Steve, as we've got Raynell, I, I believe it's Raynell Espinal is going to make his Reds debut. He actually does have a couple of innings a couple of years ago, but yes, it's going to be a long day at the ballpark for both the Reds and the Pirates, and I'm pretty sure both of them hope that both games stay within the nine-inning realm. Well, I know you're very, very disappointed that you're not lining up to see a Mike Miner start. I know how much you enjoy being at the ballpark because there's always an increased chance that you can get a ball if you're in the stands when Mike Miner is pitching because they fly right yes. out of the ballpark. You know, Mike Miner has not figured it out, Jeff, and I, I was hopeful that he would find a way to get the ball down on the ground. I was hopeful that the early starts we saw from him were just going to be a period of adjustment, but he really just has not been able to put it together to a point where uh, he's not the victim of fly balls at Great American Ballpark. And really, I mean, he's been giving up fly balls in every ballpark, so I don't know if we can even blame the, the stadium at this point. Yeah, and it's very strange to see because I know that early on in his career, he was a sinker ball pitcher. He barely throws a sinker ball anymore. In fact, he relies more on a four-seamer that kind of has a bit of a cut action to it. He even calls it a cutter because in the post-game uh, interview that he did with the press, he was talking about how his cutter was playing more like a slider yesterday. So where it was supposed to kind of break horizontally and maybe even a little bit up vertically, it was breaking down. And he tries to hit the cutter at the top of the zone, 
So with that, it was breaking right down into each hitter's wheelhouse, and that just turned into mayhem as this Pirates lineup that is absolutely full of big boppers and all-stars and just the kind of numbers that everybody absolutely... Okay, I, I can't. You've been can't spending too much time with Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They're not good at all, but Mike Miner has made them look good in the couple of times that he's pitched against them. And yet again, last night, they absolutely just destroyed Mike Miner. You know, even a bad major league hitter has still gone through the process and played their way through the minor leagues. And if you give them the opportunity to run into one, they will. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, his pitches were starting out at the top of the zone and then diving back into it. And you've got major league hitters these days that are trained to have loop in their swing. And those two things lead to a lot of elevation. And when you make solid barreling contact, you can drive the ball out of the ballpark, especially in Cincinnati. And we saw that last night with three home runs allowed by Mike Miner. And I hate to, I, I mean, I don't want to be like a, you know, negative Nelly here when I'm talking about Mike Miner, but the last couple of starts and, you know, it was played up very much on both broadcasts, whether you're talking about television or radio, as I listened to a little bit of both and they were talking about, oh man, you know, he's been so good over these last three starts, three starts out of the course of a season is an aberration. And what we know about Mike Miner is this, he's going to give up the long ball. So how does the lineup support that? The lineup had chances. They had shots. They just couldn't bring guys in. However, you can't win when you give up six runs. Like, I mean, unless you've got the Yankees lineup or you've got the Astros lineup or something like that, you don't have the kind of guys that can go out there and just make that comeback work because usually your best guys are the guys on base and you're asking some dudes who have had to step up in whatever scenario in whatever case the, to go get an RBI. And they're just not the guys that are going to go do that. So that's where we ran into problems with last night. Mike Miner had to keep them in the ball game and he just didn't. And, and, you know, we're talking about, I mean, let's, let's be honest about what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lineup that's full of players that some of them have no business being at the major league level. Some of them are trying to figure out the major league level on the fly. You know, you've got a guy that's getting a lot of innings behind the plate at catcher. That's trying to figure it out on the fly. Got a bunch of youngsters that have made their major league debut or are getting their first real exposure to significant playing time. Uh, and, and you've got have, a third of the lineup in Aquino, Senzel, and Barrero who are making constant adjustments to their game. Correct. And, you know, some of the guys, I think I think we're starting to see some signs. I like what I'm seeing from Aleo Lopez right now. You and I have yes. talked about a lot that we wanted him to get some consistent time to see what might happen. And he's getting some consistent time right now. And I think he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go and take someone's starting job next year, but I think he's demonstrating that with given enough opportunity, he could be a very useful super utility type player on this team. You know, Kyle Farmer against left-handed pitching continues to be great in this lineup uh you know Aquino starting to figure it out maybe listening to the instruction that he's been getting there's some hope there's still we've talked about Jeff as much as it would be easy to just be a doomsday guy since you know I don't know opening day uh with the where you're gonna go stuff uh, there has been at least one or two players all through the curse or all through the course of this cursed season with Both, injury. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> there, there have been players all along the way that have been fun and exciting to watch, you know, Mike right. minor, not one of them, but these other youngsters, some of them are now, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that these pitchers that are coming to making spot starts, I can't even tell you right now who all's in the rotation. I did see that Hunter Green, his next start is supposed to be in the major leagues whenever they I'm decide sorry. to activate him, that he's not going to pitch another game in Louisville. That's helpful. That's good. That's something to look forward to as we wrap up this 2022 baseball season. Yes, and speaking of Hunter Green and speaking of this starting staff, that's something that I talked about yesterday on the podcast is how are the Reds going to fill out this week? And honestly, they needed a good start and not even a good start, but they needed a long start from Mike Miner last night and they couldn't get it because of just that awful, awful inning where the Pirates got all the runs that they needed for the game. And then you had to get into the bullpen and things like that, because on top of who's pitching out of the rotation, who's pitching out of the bullpen for the next six or for the next five days, they have seven games. That is so many innings, so many outs that the Reds are going to have to cover. David Bell's going to have to manage this a little bit differently. He's not going to be able to manage to the point where it's just like, okay, we need to get three outs at all costs. If we have to shuffle a couple of pitchers through this inning and get a couple of guys, just three batters and get them out of there, that's fine. He can't do that because if he does that, he's going to tax his bullpen for the next game or two. And, And we already saw them get taxed over the weekend. So it's just like, There's so much going on, and I really needed to see Mike Miner go more than he did on Monday night. Oh, I agree. What's the what's the over under on number of position players that are going to pitch over the next four (laughs) or five days, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say that the over under is point five, but I'd probably still. I think we're going to get at least two. At least two. Two position players pitching over the next five days. Two position, and they are going to St. Louis, which that could be, that could be a bloodbath, and and not not in a good way, unfortunately. But what well, one thing pull is, holes will get number seven hundred while we're there, right? <laughs> yeah, let's make it interesting, right? Let's let's at least see history. Um, but one thing is for certain: when you're talking about Mike Miner, as rough as it's been at the uh, the state of this rotation that it's currently in, where else are you gonna go? He's here to stay uh, because. You know, even though his year's been less than stellar, the Reds need him. They just need him. You know, uh, I got a question to you, Steve, and uh, you're going to give me an answer here in a moment. And that is, who should make it into the Reds Hall of Fame this year? Steve's going to give me his answer coming up next. Before we get into that question, though, I wanted to let you know that you can follow us on YouTube right here. If this is your first time, make sure you hit subscribe. Also click that bell to get notified. You'll see when we go live, you'll see when we have a new premiere and you'll be able to be one of the first ones to check it out. We've been doing a lot more, uh, listener interaction and things like that, which by the way, I've seen some picks and all that stuff. Some folks disagreeing with me about who I believe should be in the Reds hall of fame, which I'm I've already voted for Bronson Arroyo. I can't change that vote. It's already been cast. But I believe Bronson Arroyo should be elected into the Reds Hall of Fame this year. And in fact, I've got another question for you on tomorrow's episode, Steve, that involves the Reds Hall of Fame, but it's not who you're going to pick. It's something else. So, question to you, Steve. Who are you picking for the Reds Hall of Fame this year? You know, I think you did an excellent job yesterday, Jeff, of breaking down who's eligible uh, to to pick from. And I just, I'm just going to pick through them. And then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my pick, you know, for me, 
this is the Reds Hall of Fame. It is not the Reds Hall of guys that played here. It's not the Hall of folks that passed through town for a couple seasons. It's not even the Hall of players that had a couple above average years. This is a Hall of Fame. It should be selective. You should whittle it down. So for that reason alone, number one, I'm throwing Scott Rowland out. Scott Rowland is a Cardinal. Scott Rowland is not a Red. He's not a member of the Reds Hall of Fame. He was here for a short period of time. And yes, he did some things. He won a gold glove at third base. Cool. Doesn't make him a Reds Hall of Famer. He's out the door. Uh, next, Let me ask you talk- something real quick, too. Let me throw a wrench mm-hmm. in your plans. If he hits that home run, if it doesn't go foul in the playoff game, is he in the nope. Hall of Fame? Nope. Okay. Nope. Okay. Nope, not Hall of Awesome Moments. It's a Hall of okay. Fame for your time as a Red. And you need to have a significant body of work for that to count. That's also the reason why I'm going to say that Aaron Boone is not really a Hall of Famer. I mean, he had some good years. He, When he was here, he did some good things. And I know that there's you know, a couple uh, categories where he's in the top 50 in franchise history. Uh, you mentioned slugging percentage, home runs, extra base hits. Uh, you know, Maybe he's a borderline candidate. And I'll get to why, though, I would not select him this year. Uh, Francisco Cordero, let's talk about him for a minute. He doesn't get my nod simply because, as I continue to preach, saves are overrated, closers are overrated, relief pitchers are a dime a dozen, and no, he's not going, he doesn't get to be a Reds Hall of Famer. You know, maybe if we had, you know, a Rodas Chapman here for his entire career, I would entertain the idea of a relief pitcher making it just on saves but no i I just don't think that that's a a qualifier i don't think that that should be what gets you over over the hump and into consideration so you know running through the rest of this list it it come down to two guys we come down to aaron harang and we come down to your guy bronson arroyo and when you look at some of these numbers uh, i think that both of these guys are uh warranting being considered for the Reds Hall of Fame. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think both of them should be in the Reds Hall of Fame. Uh, So for my answer, Jeff, uh, I would pick, I would join you in selecting Bronson Arroyo as this year's inductee into the Reds Hall of Fame. And I would tell Aaron Harang to keep his bags packed because he's going to need to be in Cincinnati the next time. He would be the next guy, you know, 1A, 1B of the guys that I'm inducting into the Hall of Fame. And I just want to make mention of this. Those are both pitchers. Uh, I think they both uh, have a body of work as a member of the Cincinnati Reds that warrants and qualifies them for inclusion in the Reds Hall of Fame. One of the reasons why I say none of these hitters really jump out at me and why Aaron Boone doesn't quite get my nod is this. Another hitter should not be inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame until his name is Reggie Sanders. And after the Mm. Reds write that wrong, then we can look at these other guys. We can talk about Aaron Boone. We can talk about guys that came next. Reggie Sanders has a tremendous body of work with this franchise and happened to have a very poor postseason performance once upon a time that has allowed people to skew their whole thought process when they talk about Reggie Sanders. And the fact that he's not even under consideration is just a tragedy. It it really – it, it almost rubs me the wrong way as much as the Pro Football Hall of Fame ignoring the Cincinnati Bengals does. It doesn't quite rise to that level, but this is a very close second, Jeff. So for me, the next hitter in the Reds Hall of Fame should be Reggie Sanders, and until it's him, I don't vote for another hitter. And I think you're right there. It follows along with your point. Like It's not the Hall of very good moments, so ergo, a couple of bad moments should not, you know, uh, wow. 
should not. I can't think it shouldn't word. preclude you from inclusion in the hall of that's fame. That's the word. Yes. Um, it should there, not. I, I saved you. I went to college too, Jeff. <laughs> should not preclude you from the hall of fame. So yes, if Reggie Sanders is not in the hall of fame, but Aaron Boone makes the Reds hall of fame. Mm-mm. Doesn't make it for you. That doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, you can even take it a step further and you can go to guys like, you know, it, it, whenever we see some different names up there of, um, you know, more recent guys that we have seen. If Reggie Sanders is not in before them, they got to wait because he was awesome. You look at those numbers. He was a hall. I mean, he was a Reds hall of fame worthy player. I, Absolutely. there, there really is no, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Cause I did not kind of forgot about him last night. And I think that's the point. The Reds need to stop forgetting about this dude and put him in the hall of fame right now. I, I agree, and I think, Jeff, that's probably a great spot for us to go ahead and, and wrap up this edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Uh, you know, don't forget to drop in tomorrow. Thanks so much for making us your first listen today. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow because we will have you covered for 18 innings of marathon baseball from Great American yeah. Ballpark as the Reds continue to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And please beat them down the rest of the way. I can't handle Ethan if we get swept. All right. Now that you've made us your first listen, we ask you to go make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league on the number one daily league-wide podcast. That's the Locked On MLB podcast. You can find that on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever. You get your podcast. All right, Jeff, you're going to have a fun day of baseball down at the ballpark. We are going to be right back in the podcasting feeds talking about the Reds and the Pirates. What can people expect from us the rest of the way as September brings us to the end of the 2022 baseball season? You can count on us being confused in a good way about Aristides Aquino. You can count on Bronson Arroyo. And if I hold up the right side of my shirt, making the Reds Hall of Fame. And you can count on us to be locked on Reds every single day.